He's been good to us, hasn't he? Uh, I like that last verse, standing on the promises, I cannot fall, listening every moment to the Spirit's call, resting in my Savior as my all in all. Well, what a thought. And uh, so how good has God been to us this week? Has He been good to you? All right, well, let's take a few more. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Brother Keith asked me if I wanted him to do the long version or the short version tonight, and I told him to let the Lord lead him. So now we've got 19 minutes. I've got two pages of notes. Do you all believe in miracles? <laughs> It'll be a miracle if we make it through two pages of notes in 19 minutes. <laughs> but uh, I, I was uh, talking to a pastor friend of mine about 10 or 12 years ago, and um, he said, you know, the difference between pastoring and being an evangelist, an itinerant preacher, is a pastor can cut a, a series off and come back next week and, and pick it up from there and keep going. And uh, he said, don't ever rush when you're, when you're pastoring. Don't ever rush trying to get through something because you've always got next week. And uh, if, if you get raptured in the meantime, of course, then we'll know the stuff anyway. So uh, we won't have to worry about it then. But uh, he made a lot of sense in that. And we certainly want to do justice to the passages and uh, get all that we can out of it. Second Timothy chapter 2, as we said last week, Paul is... Charging Timothy, he knows he's, I believe God has given him the, the knowledge that he's very near the end of his earthly ministry. And he's trying to leave Timothy with some last and final thoughts, some things that are trying to strengthen and undergird Timothy in the things that he knows that Timothy's going to have to go through. And we get to chapter 2, and he deals with uh, the character of Timothy and the things that uh, he's charging Timothy to be ready for in his area of service to the Lord. And so we uh, are going to be taking several weeks to finish this chapter. Last week we spoke of the fact that we're to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the fact that it is implied by verse number 1 of chapter 2 that there are going to be difficulties along the way. And uh, anytime we start doing a work for the Lord, there will come some kind of persecution whether it is from a human source or whether it's from Satan himself, there will come some opposition anytime you begin to do a work for the Lord. And so Paul is charging Timothy. He said, listen, when these times come, and it's just assumed that they're coming, he said you need to be strong and not just be strong in the fact that, um, you know, a man is just going to, he's going to just firm himself up and be ready for this thing. But he says to be strong in the Lord. In other words, Timothy, don't rely on your strength to carry you through these trying times and the times of persecution, the times of opposition. It was very, very important that Timothy understand that the grace of God was going to be the sole source of strength that would get him through those times. In the book of James, the Bible teaches, But he giveth more grace, wherefore God saith, he resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. When my dad was going through terminal cancer and our family was... Um, uh, really struggling with the prolonged um, suffering that he was going through and uh, the difficult time that there was there. A, pr- a pastor friend of ours was over at our church visiting from across the state, and uh, he and I were outside uh, fellowshipping together at a youth event. And uh, he asked me, he said, how are you doing? And I said, Brother Kerry, I said, uh, God's grace has been very, very real, and it's very tangible. Some of you sitting here tonight can understand what I'm talking about. 
And I made this statement to him and I said, you know, Brother Kerry, I don't know if it's because I'm more sensitive to it and I just sense it more, I feel it more, or if God's just giving more of it. I said, I'm not sure which. And uh, then, and I'd read the passage before, but that very week I was reading in James and came across that verse, but he giveth more grace. And the fact that God gives grace as it's needed, and it is all sufficient. In fact, Paul, uh, Paul went to him three different times about his thorn in the flesh. And what was God's response to him? My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And so we find here that Paul is challenging Timothy this lesson that he learned so vividly from the Lord that you need to be strong in those times with the grace of God because God's grace will always be sufficient. And so we learned that last week going down through here. And then he says in verse number 2, The things that thou hast uh, heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who are able to teach others also. And so the importance of reproducing ourselves, the things that God has taught us. And after all, isn't that what Paul's doing here to Timothy? He's taking the things that God had taught him and that he had learned through experience, that the Holy Spirit had shown him through the trying of his faith. And he's instilling that, he's committing that, he's uh, infusing that, if you will, into young Timothy here. And he's making sure that before he leaves, those lessons are not lost. And so he challenges Timothy and he says, Now I want you to take these things and I want you to find another faithful man who's able to teach someone else and you instill these things in them. And the importance, and I believe that that's a sign of a healthy church, to be honest with you. When we begin to pour the things into one another and then we take those things and we go out and find some other folks to pour that into knowing that they're able to then take and take those things and pour it into them. And I think the process of reproducing in a church is vividly important, that we take the things that God has taught us. Now, it's important that we have to learn these things to be able to teach somebody, right? The book of Hebrews, in fact, deals with that. He said there's some of you that ought to be on the meat of the Word, and he said some of you are still needing to be taught the first oracles. I can't. I, there, there's things I need to tell you, but I can't tell you because you couldn't handle them. And uh, he, he was talking to a group of people who had been saved long enough that they should have grown and they should have matured and they should have learned things and they should have gotten into God's Word and learned these things. And, and, and he said, he challenges, the writer of Hebrews challenges uh, these folks, said, listen, y'all need to grow. And uh, my dad used to say it this way, some Christians come to church and they just breathe in the good air and blow out the bad air and then they go home. And uh, we just, we got to grow. When we come to church, we ought to have our Bibles, our notebooks, ready to take notes and learn some things. And then I can teach you things, and Pastor can teach you things uh, from the Word of God, but it, isn't it so much better when you start learning how to feed yourself? You open a Bible at home and you begin to see things that maybe you've never seen before. The Holy Spirit begins to show you these things from Scripture. And so Paul is challenging Timothy to take these things and to commit them to other men that are faithful men who are able to teach others also. And then he, he uses three illustrations here. We're going to go through them real quick. We dealt with two of them last week and then we'll jump into the third one this week. He uses two illustrations of um, examples of enduring hardness. And he uses the illustration of a soldier in warfare. He uses the illustration of um, a runner in a race. And then he uses the illustration of a husbandman or uh, what we would consider in terms of today uh, uh, a, a farmer of sorts that uh, would tend to the vineyard. 
and that sort of a thing. And so we find here in verse number 3 that he tells him to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And we spoke a little bit about that last uh, week. The soldier is... Uh, uh, the, has supreme dedication to the cause. He is unembarrassed. He is not ashamed of the cause. He is highly dis- disciplined. He's highly motivated. He is highly trained. And he does not let the affairs of life distract him from absolute obedience. And so many times in our Christian lives, we allow things to creep in. And we talked a little bit about that last week. And it seems to get a hold on us and to distract us. And that's why I believe the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews chapter number 12 that we ought to lay, lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And he makes a distinction there. There are some things that just kind of draw us further away from the Lord. They may or may not be uh, biblically, you know, uh, black and white ink, uh, right or wrong, but they're, thing, they're things that distract. They're things that pull our time away. And uh, so we've got to be careful of those things. And so he's speaking of enduring hardness as a good soldier, and that no man that warth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a good soldier. And so we want to please the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our motivation. And uh, we've said this before, that when it comes to serving God, and, and there are churches out there that, that, that challenge and beat their people, it seems like, spiritually over the head, with obligation, obligation, obligation. And there's no doubt we're obligated. There's no doubt we owe a great debt to the Lord Jesus Christ, don't we? But the truth of the matter is we will never be able to pay the debt back. It was a free gift. You don't give a gift to your child and then make him slave to you the rest of their life because you gave him a gift. It was a gift. And God gave us a gift, and He doesn't hold that over us and say, okay, because I gave you this, you now have to be my slave for the rest of your life. We, out of a heart of gratitude and out of a heart of love, dedicate ourselves to Him because of what He's done for us, but not because of obligation. And there's no doubt He's commanded us to do these things, but the truth is our motivation for obedience must be love for Him. In fact, it's interesting that he uses a pattern in in the Ephesians. Paul wrote this in chapter number 6, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is what? It's right. It's, it's right. There's no, there's no reward for obedience in that illustration. But then he goes on to say, Honor thy father and mother, that your days may be long on the earth. And so we find that the reward, if you will, comes from the honoring. And honoring is obedience with love. It's obedience because we love our, our, our Lord and Savior. Not because we feel like we're under His thumb and he's, he's pressing down because of the great sacrifice. I'm never going to pay it back. I'm thankful I don't have to pay it back because I'm not able to. But I sure love Him. And if He asks me to do something, I'm going to say, absolutely, Lord. My answer is already yes because I love You so much. That's service. That's service. And so Paul is, is, is dealing here with Timothy. He's speaking of enduring hardness, not to entangle himself so that he can please the Lord Jesus Christ. That's his motivation, so that he can please him. It's not an issue of, well, I've got to go do this. It's, I get to please my Lord and Savior. And that's the motivation for service. And so we get to uh, verse number 5, and it says, and, uh, If a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive uh, lawfully. And so it's very important that we follow the rules. And again, along the lines of the soldier not being entangled with the affairs of this life, 
a runner has to stay within the rules. If he cheats, if he gets outside of the rules, if he goes out and does his own thing and doesn't run the race that God's laid before him, he's not going to win the crown. He's not going to, he's not going to get the reward. And so we find here that there's a, an illustration given in these three stories that you do the work, you get the reward. You do the work, you get the reward. And if we do not strive lawfully, if we allow these things to encumber us, we lose the reward. We suffer loss of reward. And so we find these things in verse number 5, that if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. So those of us that uh, are trying to do what's right and to serve the Lord out of love must do it in an unencumbered way. Um, methods do matter. We live in a day and age where a lot of churches are throwing methods out the window and saying we don't have to follow biblical methods, just any old way will work. And they're bringing entertainment into the church and they're bringing smoke and lights and razzle-dazzle stuff and they're gaining a crowd and losing their congregations in the process. But lest you think that methods don't matter, try to tell Uzzah that. When they were trying to bring the Ark of the Covenant back and David brought it back on a brand new cart and it stumbled on the rocks... And Uzzah reached out his hand to stable the Ark of the Covenant. A good thing, a sincere move, it wasn't it, on his part. He wasn't trying to be disobedient. He, wasn't try- he was trying to salvage the Ark of the Covenant. And God killed him. And some of us look at that story and think, how unfair. Lord, he was trying to protect the Ark of the Covenant. But the problem was they were using a wrong method to begin with. It was supposed to be carried by the Levites. And so methods matter. And when we begin to serve God, and hopefully in the next few months we'll begin training and teaching some things about going out and telling people about Christ and how to teach Sunday schools and how to run bus routes and things. And we want every one of those things to be based on a biblical principle. We want to do God's work, not just any old way. We want to do it God's way. And we want to have the right philosophy and we want to have the right focus on it. And so Paul talks about this and he tells Timothy that the man who's striving for masteries uh, must strive lawfully uh, or else he will not be crowned. And then we get to verse number six. This is where we left off last week. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partakers of the fruits. And this one is almost self-explanatory, but we'll take just a minute to say this. A farmer's not going to reap a harvest unless he does the plowing and the cultivating and the watering and the fertilizing. And he's got to do the work. You do the work, the reward comes later. And, and, and there's, some, there's some illustrations that Paul uses here, and I love this. Because he gets to verse number 6, he says, The husband that laboreth must be first partakers of the fruits. Consider what I say. The Lord give the understanding in all things. In other words, Timothy, I want you to understand this principle. Don't miss it. I've given you three examples here. Don't miss the principle. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer. And I want you to notice two things here. Paul challenges Timothy, and he shows him this. He says, listen, I'm going to give you two illustra- or three illustrations, and I'm going to give you two examples. One of them is the Lord Jesus Christ. The first example he gives is verse number, uh, verse number 8. Remember that Christ Jesus of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. So he said, I want you to remember the death of Christ, Timothy. Hold your finger there for a minute. Turn, to me, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. And we're just going to look very quickly at this. 
Hebrews chapter number 2, or I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 12, did I say 2? Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2, excuse me. And let's take a look at this. We're going to read verse 1 for sake of context. Wherefore, seeing also, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for, now notice this and watch this, who for the, what's the next word there? Joy. Wait a minute, we're getting ready to talk about his crucifixion. Where's the joy in the crucifixion? The joy that the Lord Jesus Christ sees here in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2 is something that takes place after the cross of Calvary. In the salvation of men's souls. And Christ was so overjoyed with what was going to be the result of Calvary that he says here in verse number 2, who for the joy that was set before him... What's the next word? Endured. We all know what that word means. I don't like it, but I'm going to endure it. Why? Christ, why would you endure the cross? Because of the joy that's set before me. If I go through the cross, look at the endless ages of eternity of joy that there will be. And so Paul tells Timothy here, that we have examples of this idea and this concept, and, and the Lord grants you understanding in this, that the Lord even paid a deep price, persecution, suffering, so that the joy could be had. And then he gives a second example, and he uses himself. He uses a personal illustration. In fact, Paul's the only one in Scripture that the Holy Spirit allowed under his own inspiration to pen the words, Be ye followers of me, even as I am of Christ. And so Paul uses the illustration of himself as he gets to verse number 9, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds. And so the Apostle Paul is struggling, he's suffering, and he's having some difficult times here, and he tells Timothy, but there's a, there's a reward at the end of it. There's a joy that is taken here. And so look what it says here, verse 9. Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds. And this is the joy of it. This is the reward here. But the Word of God is not bound Timothy, I would be willing to suffer any of this and all of this that the Word of Christ can have free course. That it can go forth with power, unhindered and unfettered. And all oh, that we would get this idea that yes, there's going to be persecution and, and there's going to be hardships and there's going to be burden in serving God. We talk about having a bus ministry. You've never seen the headaches a bus ministry can cause in the church. But there's great joy in bus ministries. There are so many souls that are reached and families that are reached in the bus ministry. And what the church has to decide is, you know what? The price is worth the reward. And so Paul tells Timothy, listen, Timothy, you're getting ready to go through some things. Christ went through them. I've gone through them. And Timothy, you're going to go through them. There's burden. There's trial. But oh, what great reward. Oh, what great joy. Unless we get impatient, the husbandman labors out in the hot sun. He struggles to plant the vineyard and he works and he works and he works 
And sometimes it's frustrated because it doesn't seem like the crop is coming in. We won't reap the joy, many of us, until we get to heaven. I'm thankful God in His divine graciousness (laughs) allows us from time to time to get a taste of it in this life. Aren't you glad of that? But the great joy, the fulfilling joy of serving God comes when we get to stand in heaven one day and take crowns and cast them at His feet and say, Lord, I did it because I loved You. Not because I had to. Not because somebody guilted me into it. But Lord, I love You so much. You could have asked me anything and my answer would have been yes. Yes, Lord. But there's going to be trials, Brother Greg. Yes, but there's going to be joy. There's going to be hardships. There's going to be burdens. Yes, there's going to be joy. And we didn't make it through two pages of notes. There's one thought you can leave here tonight rejoicing in. We serve God because we love Him. And there will come trials. We may have a car that won't meet emissions. We may have a member of our family that's going through physical ailments. We may have material shortages of things. But oh, the joy that is laid before us. Paul said it this way, those things are not even worthy to be compared to the joy that is set before us one day. The glory of heaven. And oh, it's not the, it's not the gates of pearl and the streets of gold and the walls of jasper. That's not, that's not, that's not the joy. The joy is the Lord Jesus Christ. I love Fanny Crosby. Face to face with Christ my Savior. When with rapture I behold Him. Jesus Christ who died for me. Man, it makes going out and telling the lost world about Him pretty simple at that point, doesn't it? It's not hard. It's not even grievous to us. It doesn't even make us sweat. Oh, we may have a little hardship. But oh, there's great joy. Man, I can't wait to get to heaven and spend eternity with the people that God has given over the years the opportunity for me to tell them about Him. Some of the greatest joys in heaven are going to be the rewards that we have in serving Him. Not because we had to. We're going to strive lawfully. We're going to do it God's way. And we're going to do it out of a motivation and a heart of love. We'll pick up there next Wednesday night. I've kept you long enough. Let's stand together. We'll be dismissed in a word of prayer. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Father, the excitement of it, the joy of it. I pray that you would help us to glean from it and to meditate, to consider it. And Father, as we leave here tonight, that we would not quickly or soon forget the truths of this passage. Lord, what a joy it is to our hearts. So, Father, help us to grow. Help us to draw closer to You. Lord, we want to serve You with our lives. Make it, make it the joy of our hearts to do so. And Lord, if we're struggling through serving You and we're, 
battling depression or frustration through it or we just are not excited at all about it, Lord, I pray that you would help us to get get passionate about you, to love you with all of our hearts first and foremost. And Father, if we can ever get in that spirit, I believe serving you is not going to be burdensome at all. It's going to be the joy of our lives. And I pray that you'd help each and every one of us here to be all that we should be for you. Draw us close to you. Edify us. Build us up. And then, Father, help us tomorrow to wake up and to have this thought on our hearts and to seek for your will and your leading in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.